Well, uh, we still continue with glory in the word. Uh, just that this one is live, church. Amen. So it's day 16 today. And on Friday, I discussed with you on, I can't remember, uh, the key to the miraculous, right? You know, there's a need in the body of Christ to understand spiritual reality and how spiritual things actually do work. Because our generation, and this is based on my observation, our generation really does not know how to walk in the reality of the kingdom. We just don't know. We have sermons, preachings, teachings, but there's no vitality to what we do. And this is because of a lack of understanding of how spiritual things or spiritual reality operates. Paul says, let me read it to you, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 14 Chris, what level is that? Put on one, please. Let's put on one, boy. Yeah, thanks, King. First Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verse number. Verse number, I don't want to get it from where I would be forced to deviate. So let me see where I can take it from. Okay, let's just take it from verse 20. Okay. He says, brethren, do not be children in under Standing. He says, when it comes to, and here is referring to spiritual understanding. He says, do not be children in understanding. Do not be like a little child. You, 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 see, you know, a child can't really process uh, 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 instruction and they can't really understand. So he says, when it comes to spiritual things, he says, I don't want you to be He says, but be children in malice, in things pertaining to evil, right? But he says, but in understanding, be mature. 
in understanding. Be mature. Be mature. The struggle we have in Christianity today is the struggle for a lack of understanding. We do not understand the science behind the operation of kingdom realities and power. So it's almost like we are we are grappling in the dark. One day we hit it, the next day we don't. One day we hit the mark, the next day we miss it. And that's why the world cannot take us serious. Jesus said, this generation needs a sign. If they're going to believe, they need a sign. A sign, a token. He says, unless they see a sign, they will not believe. And if you look at the ministry of Jesus, it was a ministry of signs. Signs and wonders. Why? In other words, in order for him to convince his generation, to convince us of the reality of the kingdom, he needed to produce signs. Because the kingdom is invisible. You can't see it. Here he is, he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where? How? We, we, we don't see with an army. We don't see with a palace. Where is your kingdom? So the signs were needed to validate his statements. So his entire ministry was a ministry of signs and wonders. Here am I with the children whom you have given, we are for signs and we are for wonders. Signs are those things which are primary in the communication or the effective communication of kingdom realities. So we live in a generation that fabricates the signs because they can't produce them. Why? Because they don't understand the science of routing this reality. We have the Holy Ghost in Christianity. But we are yet to see the works which are greater than Jesus. Remember, the works, when Jesus says, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do greater. He shall do greater works than these. You must remember, this includes all the works that were not included in the Gospels. Because there were unrecorded works which could not even fill all the libraries of the world. And including the ones that he showed his disciples during the 40 days of his resurrection. Where are we? Where are we?
Where are we? And that's the problem. So we need to understand how spiritual reality works. We need to. Otherwise, our Christian experience will fall short of the mark, the standard that the Lord has set for us. I want to show you something this morning. Alright? I want to show you something. The road into destiny. Say it with me. The road into Years ago, we were here, I think it was a Sunday service, and I was taken into the spirit, and I was walking a path. You know, in, you know sometimes there, there, there are many ways to engage the spirit realm, and the best way is to engage it in 3D, where you are there, you can smell, you can hear, you can feel, you can... Where all your spiritual senses are alive. So that, it was one of those visions. So I'm treading a path, right? But funny thing, I'm not walking on it. It's kind of like I'm gliding. The place is quiet. Quiet. Then up ahead, it, it, you know, there were, it, it was like a hill. There, were, there was a big gate on that path. I motioned closer to the path. And there were two angels that were standing on the two sides. And what they said to me, till this day, shocked me. They said to me, how did you find this place? That's what they asked me. One was quiet, the other was the one that was talking. He said, how did you find this place? Without even thinking, I said, no, the, the Holy Ghost brought me here. They say, well, you are one of the few that has found this place. In fact, there hasn't been anybody on this road for the last 10 years. I was shocked. I was like, oh, what are these guys talking about? So I asked, what is this place? Right? Because they're guarding it like they're guarding some treasure. What is this place? They said, this is the pathway to prosperity. All that enter these gates will know abundance and never experience it. You know what you're wondering now? So did you enter? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't go there to turn back. <laughs> I didn't go there to turn back. But I was saying that to say this, there is a path. A literal path. You see, thing, like I said to you, things in the spirit operate differently from things here on earth. But things in the spirit affect every single thing on earth. Remember how, uh, I think it was Micah, the prophet Micah, how the king beat him up and he put him in prison. 
but they they needed counsel for for a war a battle they were fighting and there was no other prophet the, the guy had prophets but all of them they were not at Mika's stature so finally he relented he went there because every prophecy Mika was giving was always bad for the king so that's why the king didn't like him because every prophecy he said was just bad they were finally conceived and he brought him he brought him he says please tell me what is good so Mika started and he said oh, it is well with you king and the guy says, nah, I'm not so sad. <laughs> so he said, he said, be honest now. Be honest. So he said, thus says the Lord. He says, I was in a meeting in the heavens. And he says, the sons of God were gathered before the Holy One. And God was asking the question to the angels. He says, who is there that will go and destroy the king. One of the angels came and he says, I. And God asked him, How will you do it? An angel said, I will be a lying spirit. It was not a demon, it was an angel. He said, You, you know the scripture that said, where God says, I, I, I have sworn by my own name, I will not lie to David. Why does God say, I will not lie to Let's leave it. So, he, he said, I will be a lying spirit to his prophets. So, God said, okay, go. So, the angel went, and all the prophets that were there prophesied good. But it was a lying spirit. This thing was happening when? In heaven. But it's translation, translating a prophecy, which was against what was determined in the councils. Why? Because the angel said, I will become a lying spirit. So here you see the cause, here you see the consequence. Same thing with Job. God calls Job, God calls Job, I mean, uh, a, a righteous man. He calls Satan to Job's attention. See his dog. And then God says, I give you power over him. And then all of a sudden, Job's life goes into shambles. Job didn't know why. And God didn't explain it. He probably knew when he went to heaven. Why? 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 Why did his life on earth all of a sudden turn around? In one day, he lost everything. Why? Because there was a conversation in the spirit concerning him. So, so God lives in the spirit. So all the activities or the consequences of the activities of man's life will be decided from that plane. So it's very important to understand spiritual and how things there work. Thank God for his word. Because in his word, he has given us enough to understand how things work. When I, 
I was looking into certain things in the scriptures. I came to a, re a realization that it was impossible for Adam not to disobey God. It was impossible. He was going to disobey God. irrespective of what God gave him, of what God promised him, of what God commanded him. It was impossible for Adam to sustain his life in the garden, irrespective of what was commanded him. I ask before we continue, did not Israel hear God speak? Did they not see his glory on the mountain? Did they, did they not receive his laws on the mountain? Did they succeed? Mm. Did they succeed because it was impossible for them to succeed? Or, I mean, did they not succeed because it was impossible for them not to succeed? I mean, to succeed? Or, it was because they decided not to. They decided not to. Okay. Who's on one side? Who's on the other side? <laughs> who's on? It was impossible for them not to succeed. Who's on that side? Lift up your hands. Okay. One, two, three. It was impossible. Right? Who says they chose not to? Lift up your hands, please. All right. Who doesn't know? And those whose hands are not up, where are you? <laughs> no man's land. Okay. Let's start with those who say, who say it was, they did, they did not succeed or they failed because it was impossible for them to succeed. God set them up not to succeed. Who, who, explain yourself. Why? Why was that the case? Why was it impossible for Israel not to succeed? We'll come to you. You can just discuss among yourselves, you who were on the other side who chose not to. No, you can talk now. We can be talking. Where did the impossibility come from? From God. From who? Okay, yes, from them. How? How, Mike? Oh, oh, oh. Okay. How? Come on, for them who said it was impossible. God set them up for failure. Yeah? Because of their, they were, it was impossible for them not to succeed, isn't it? Oh, so. So you, you lift the impossibility to their nature. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. We'll come back there. We'll come because you are like hot. <laughs> because of their, you know, 
nature of the fallen state of man. Right? Let's go to the other side. Because we can also get a hot answer. That side. Yeah. Those who chose not to. Right? Because they chose not to come. What do you have to say? Why did, why, why did they choose not to follow God's commands when they stood to gain so much? Yeah? Because they didn't? That's hot. So we've got two sides that say, ultimately, it, it, but they were going to fail. The other side said, no, they chose to. They shouldn't have failed. They chose to fail. Right? Because they did not believe. Both sides sound right. They sound both sides. Both angles sound very right. But whether or not they are remains to be discovered. Can we look at something? Can we look at something? I said to you, the road Amen. Let's look at Deuteronomy. Uh, How's that? Yeah. Deut. Hmm. How's that one? That's fine, right? Okay. Let's look at Deuteronomy. Chapter number. 29. Are we there? Are we there? Let's read it, please. Chapter 29, verse uh, 9. Therefore, okay. So, what was the key to their prospering? Keeping the the word there means to guard, right? It means to build a fence, to protect, right? So, how were they going to? Uh, Prosper by what? So by keeping the word and doing the word. What? By keeping the word and by? By keeping it and by doing. But which is more important here? Is the keeping part. Right? So he says, Therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Okay. Let's do a word search. Okay. So that word to keep, all right, is first found in, guess, mm, 
Genesis chapter? No. Genesis chapter? So the first time that word is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 2. Why do we go to Genesis chapter 2? Because we want to find out the meaning or the conditions under which that word was given. So the first person to ever say that word in the Bible was God. So every time you see God being the first to mention a word, that means whatever definition you, you give to that word has to come from that place. Because he is an authority. He is the authority. Right? So you said Genesis chapter. So the word there is Samar. Right? And I told you what it means. Right? It's, 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 it, 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 it means to guard it. And you are saying, guard it. So that you may prosper in all that you do. So the secret to them prospering was what? So God had given them guardian over the law, the word, right? The law. So why did God give them those ten laws or I mean those ten commandments and the other laws? Why? No, why did he give them from God's side? What was his intention? To? And to make them distinguished among other nations. Right? Okay? So God, okay. What is the law? Or what is this law? Angirgide, Exodus 20, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, the Ten Commandments, right? What is it? Who gave those laws? Is, so what are really those laws? They are the expression of God's nature. They are the expression of God's righteousness. So those laws are perfect because they come from a perfect God. Right? Their intention was to make those who observed them perfect. But it did not. It did not because there was something missing in the element of them receiving the word and that word helping them. So, even though God said keep, he did not tell them how to keep. So the absence of the how of keeping, because if you read throughout the entire law, he does not tell them how. He tells them to love the Lord with all their strength to fear the Lord, but does not really tell them how to keep and do. Because these are laws from a spiritual being. So that means the methodology of keeping and doing has to be spiritually based. So it's not physical actions or physical keeping. It's not like you are standing at the doors of your house and you are a watchman over the way. Where is it? That was in your heart. 
So the laws that God gives are an expression of his righteousness. So when he says thou shalt not murder, that's why, that's why morality is not uh, uh, decided by choice. No, it's ingrained within civilizations. You understand? If I ask you now, if you say no, it's by choice. If I ask you now, the one, let's just say you say it's by choice, right? And somebody comes and kills your daughter. Is that right or wrong? What made, what made it right? Because the one that did it thought it was morally correct. You understand? So it, it, that means that these laws are ingrained within civilization. Why? Because they are a reflection of the nature of the God who set them in place. You follow me, next? You follow me? So when he says, thou shalt not murder, that, that's a law that universally applies to everything. Because it comes from... Again? You follow? All right. So let's, let's, let's look at Samar. So he said, be a watchman over this law. Guard it. Keep it, protect it. But he doesn't tell them how. Must they now build fences? Now hire security companies to guard the world. What must they do? Let's read uh, Genesis chapter 2. Verse number 15. Then the Lord God took the man. He what? From where? <laughs> took him from where? Anyways, it's fine. Then the Lord God took the man whom he had formed and he did what? Put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. So, for what purpose was Adam put in the garden? To tend, to tend it. The word there means to serve it. To become bound to. To work it. See that? So he was to be a servant in the garden. To serve the garden. And then he says, to samar it, to keep it. So God put him in the garden to do what? To serve it and to guard it. Watch over it. Question. If Adam was given the responsibility to guard the garden, what was he guarding the garden against? What was he guarding the garden against? Because the implication of keep means that you are protecting something 
which is a treasure against something. And what is that something? Death was threatening the integrity of the garden. Let's read verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1. Are we there? Let's read. The serpent was more. There you go. The serpent was more. The serpent was more. Can you see that? Can you see that? The serpent was more. The whisperer. The enchanter was more cunning than any of the beasts which the Lord God had made. Now this is strange. The, the usage of the word here is strange. Because he seems to isolate the serpent from the beasts that the Lord has made. So the serpent seems to be a different entity than what God created. Are you following me? Okay. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Remember when God met uh, Moses? Right? And he said, what is it in your hand? Right? Mo what did Moses say? A rod, right? And God said, throw down that rod. And what did it become? What did it become? What did it become? What did it become? You're all wrong. You're all wrong. <laughs> can, we, can we go there? Because I want to show you that this serpent and the serpent of Moses are two different serpents. This one is Nahas. Right? And the house really doesn't actually refer to a snake. It is translated as a snake, but when you read it, its roots are in enchantment, divination, yes. witchcraft. Yes. So it's not really a snake of some sort, but it is something else. Let's read. Are we there? Uh, Exodus, thank Is chapter 3, ne? And then we go back to Genesis. Remember, yet no matter road to prosperity. Um, let's read. Um, let's see. Where is it? Uh, chapter 4. Chapter 4. Chapter 4. And he said, cast it to the ground, and it became a Nahas. 
Look at that. It became a Right? Follow me. It became a You'll be confused. When he threw it down before God, it became in the house. Right? Right? So, and I said to you, that Nahas is the same word in, in Genesis. Right? So why would a Nahas be a sign that God gives Moses? It became a symbol. The rod became Follow me, okay? Are we there? Yeah? Okay. Let's read on. Let's read on. Let's read on. Uh, <laughs> Let's read on. Praise the Lord. Uh, I think it's chapter 5. Is it chapter 5? Or chapter 7? Yeah, chapter 7. Are we there? What did the rod become before God? A? Chapter 7. Verse 8. Are we there? Let's read. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourself, say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh. Right? And let it. And what? God didn't say it would become. He said. He said, let it become a what? What's that word there? You're wrong. God said, let it become a dragon. So, it didn't become a serpent anymore. It became a dragon. I, I, you follow? Yeah. Really, what, what should be said there means a sea monster. Because that's what the word Tanim means. A sea monster. So let it become a a a okay. Okay. Genesis 1.21 You will see it. Genesis 1, 21. Are we there? Let's read, please. See, Tani. So, it wasn't a snake. It was a sea monster. 
in literal terms, it was a dragon. So that rod in Aaron's hand became a dragon. Not a snake, slithering snake. But a sea monster. If you read in other places, you, you, you will find that that word there also means reptile. Reptile. If you study that word closely, you will see that it was probably Leviathan. That's what? That's fine, Pastor. Amen. Okay, maybe I should show you this. Uh, Ezekiel 29.3, please. Ezekiel 29.3, let me show you. Now, so we have Nahas and Tanim. Right? Nahas is what's used in verse chapter 2 of Genesis. Right? Tanim is what's used, and that's strange. Before God, it was in a house. So ask yourself, what did God say that Moses must make? They were bitten by snakes, remember? And what did God say they must make? A bronze? A bronze? Why? answer that. 29.3, read. No, I'm saying Ezekiel 29.3. Yeah? Yeah? Read, please. 29.3, yeah, you're there. Whoa, behold, I'm against you all. O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, O great monster who lies in the midst of the rivers. Behold, I'm against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt. O great, so who was Pharaoh, king of Egypt? Etanim. A. So who was king of Egypt? Who was king of Egypt? Who was king of Egypt? So Moses wasn't just encountering the man Pharaoh. He was encountering the king of Egypt. No, read it. Behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, O great monster who lies in the midst of his rivers. Who said, my, and there's that word, O great monster. So Pharaoh was the great monster. And Moses let his rod become as Pharaoh.
Are we there? So, we know who's the great dragon, right? Do you know? Do you know? The Bible, in prophetic language, if you read Daniel, the Bible talks about creatures that come out from the Remember, in Daniel's vision, there were four. And the fourth one was mightier than all the three. Right? But where did he come from? In Revelations 13, the Bible talks about the beast that come from the The beast that rise from the From the sea. Two beasts, right? There's one that rise from the earth, which is the false prophet. And there's the one that rise from the sea, which is the Antichrist. And the Bible says, that one is given power by the he exercises all the power of the Remember, Eden or the location of Eden or the garden in Eden was the throne of Adam or the throne of God in the earth. And at least that was what was intended by God for that place to become. So Eden or the garden in Eden was actually God's first sanctuary. And remember, before Satan fell, it had, he had it in his mind that he will become like God. And he will set his throne above the throne of God. Now, the garden in Eden, Eden was a semblance of the throne room in the heavens. So it was God's actual first sanctuary. That's why it was God that made the garden, that planted the garden, not Adam. So he put a man to guard the garden. Remember, after Adam fall, he didn't put a man anymore. He put a cherub to keep the way into the tree of life. So the treasure that he was really guarding was actually the tree of life. That's why the deception of Satan was not to eat of the tree of life, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You follow me? You follow me? So, when we look at Nahas, we can see that this serpent wasn't, if, I, if for a lack of better term, wasn't part of the original creation. Maybe we should substantiate that. Alright? Revelations. Revelations. You see... The fact that you are alive today means that, should I tell you? Yes. Means that Satan failed in killing you before your birth. Here's how we, because you see, once you are born into the world, it is difficult for Satan to get you. Especially if there's purpose and destiny around you. Once a man is born, God assigns an angel. 
Remember the Bible says, their angels are always before my father in heaven. They are angels. They are It was the angel of Jesus that helped Jacob save Jesus. And the Bible said, the angel of the Lord, angel of the Lord, angel of the Lord. You know who that angel was? Okay. Okay. It's fine. Stay with not knowing. It's fine. Revelation chapter 2. Now a great sign. You know the sign again. Let's read from verse 7. Okay, no. Let's read from verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red. Red. So who was the king of Egypt? Who was the king? Who was the real true king of Egypt? Who was the dragon? It was? It was Satan. Remember, Satan hides himself behind physical kingdoms. He hides himself behind physical kingdoms. When you study the history of creation and the pre-Adamic world, you realize that there was a species called man. When you study it, when you study it, and you realize that Satan trafficked, trafficked the earth. He trafficked the earth. Remember, the earth in the mind of God is God's destination. You know what I said? The earth is God's destination. The capital headquarters or the capital city of the universe is earth, is in the earth. So angels knew that from long ago. Okay, let me ask you. According to the Bible, are there planets that are like the earth? God created the? The? So the center of the celestial spheres is the earth. So the earth is the physical location in the realm of the spirit. It is, <laughs> it, it, it's tough for us to conceive this, but that's exactly what it is. Right, because the Bible says God created the universe. And within that universe, he created a physical, material ecosystem. And that ecology is the earth, which is the only thing in the spirit that is physical. But it's in the spirit. The earth is in the spirit. Where, where do you think? The, okay, where, where is the earth? If it's not in the spirit. 
The earth is in the spirit realm. The earth is in the universe. No, forget what you were taught in school. Forget that. Look at your Bible. God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not earths. Earth. Because to say that there are other planets means that there are other priorities that God has beyond this. Jesus was not sent to Pluto. Jesus was not sent to Jupiter. Or Mars. Or certain. Jesus was sent to the earth. And Jesus' life proves to us that nothing physical can enter the earth because he himself had to come through the natural, lawful process of a woman. He could not access earth. He could not materialize without having gone under the process of birth. The Bible says we do not have a high priest who has not passed through the heavens. He's the only physical thing that has left earth. Nothing else. Listen to me. Nothing else. If you want to build strong faith, believe what I'm saying to you. Nothing else. Yeah, what about Hubble telescope? I don't care about Hubble telescope. I don't care about Hubble telescope. Man has not developed a technology that is great enough to pass through the heavens. He has not. Even if they had, God would have destroyed it. Remember the tower. Remember the tower of Bible. Let us build ourselves a tower that reaches to the heavens. God came down. So there is no way that man can develop a technology that leaves earth. It's in. So that, that right there tells you that everything they've done till date is a hoax. It's a lie. No, you don't need to be a conspiracy theory and go, no, look at your Bible. The Bible says there's a boundary. In the heavens, a boundary where all physical, the earth is a closed system. It's not a, it's not, it's a closed system. That means the sun is right here in the earth, in the earth's uh, 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 ecosystem. It don't matter what they tell you. They've been telling you that you evolved from apes. You're an ape descendant. Where's the image of God there? You see, once you realize this, you'll, you'll realize that men like Darwin were raised by Satan himself. Men like Darwin were raised by Satan himself. Because Satan always wanted to contort the image of God in the mind of man. Remember, he said he knows that the day you eat will become like gods. So the, the way to keep men or humanity in deception is to make them think that they are like gods. 
And that's what tripped him. That's what he felt. That's what he that's why he felt. He felt because he wanted to be like God. Now it was not a question of whether or not the possibility existed. It was a question of whether or not he was permitted to access and reach that state. He was not. He wanted to be something that was not meant for him. And he fell. When he came down, the same deception he continued. It's the same lie he's been telling the whole world. So look at look at look at this thing. Right? So another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Where did he throw them? Where did he throw them? To the earth. Let me tell you how Satan you see, don't underestimate Satan. Don't under... He's a wild, wise oak. I'm telling you. You see, part of the reason why... Remember, the moon is in the earth. Yes. The sun is within the earth. Yes. So, part of his army is lodged in the moon. That's one of the reasons why the moon's light is not as bright as it intentionally, intentionally was uh, supposed to be. Because when he fell, he dislodged some of them there. Remember Jesus says something strange. Uh, 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 Paul says something strange in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. And then he says, then he says this. Spiritual hosts. Spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. And there he's not talking about what? The, the heavenlies of God. No. He's talking about the heavenlies within the earth's strata. Within the earth's boundaries. So, there are currently certain uh, 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 sects of a, a satanic army that are lodged right on the moon waiting for the re-emergence because they understand the prophetic timeline they understand it that's why the Bible says Satan is doing what he's doing because he knows that his time is short and they know that there has to be a re-emergence of the days of Noah you understand? So, there was a class of angels that were bound. If you read uh, books like Jaisha, uh, 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 Jubilee, and Enoch, you will find that it was not all of them. It was like about 200 of them. Remember, in, in the category of the fallen angels, Satan included, Satan is not the strongest. He is the wisest, but he's not the strongest. There are five others stronger than Satan. And the Bible lists it. The four angels that are bound currently now at the river Euphrates. And also, that means what? My least no and, and the one who is called Abaddon, Apollyon. 
He's the one that, that has charged over, over 200 million demons. God said, these ones, no, not for now. They, they must be kept away. Satan, you can roam around. That means, in the mind of God, Satan is very weak. But because he's the one that led this thing, because of his wisdom, he remained. The powerful ones are arrested. They will be released at the tribulation. But the powerful five, more powerful than Satan, he is ruling by his wit, his cunning, not power. That's why if Satan wants to make uh, the great man and woman of God fall, he doesn't use power. No. He cans them. Look, look at Jesus. All he tried with Jesus was cunningness. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Because it is written, he shall give his angel charge over you. Let's you dash your foot against a stone. That's cunning. Yes, that means when a man has risen to the heights of power and anointing, the greatest temptation is to fall. That's why Adam's first temptation was to fall and he fell. And what I'm trying to show you why it was impossible for him not to fall. Anyways, let's finish this and then go back to Genesis. All right? He says he drew a third of the stars and he threw them to the earth. And the great dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as she stood as it was born. And she saw a male child who was to rule all the nations with the rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Do you see that? That's Jesus. So if this dragon wanted to kill Jesus, that means... He wanted also to kill Adam. So it was waiting. It was waiting for Adam to what? To come of age. See that? So God put the man in the garden to guard it and to keep it. To keep it from who? From intruders. Remember, he said, let them subdue. The word subdue means to bring something under. The implication is that things are in rebellion. And then a woman fled into the wilderness and so forth. We won't explain that now, right? Let's read verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. So the dragon has angels. Which were a third. Now if angels could fall. Okay, no, let's not go into today, today. Because it would need me to explain certain things. Why we would judge angels. That means it is possible for angels not to do their job thoroughly. That's why I said I don't want to get into that now. 
But they did not prevail, nor, I want you to listen to this, nor was a place found for them any longer. That means, that means before that war broke out, they were occupying a certain place in the heavens, a certain location in the spirit. After the war, there was no more place. So Satan is not up there. Satan is right here in earth. Remember when he entered into the company uh, at the conference of the sons of God in Job? And God asked him, where do you come from? He says, running, going to and fro the earth. He can't leave the earth. He's bound. He's earthbound. Satan is... Oh, God. So... There was no place found for them in heaven any longer. Do you see that? So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Wow. Where was he cast to? He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The question we must answer is that was he cast out after or before Adam was created? The answer is right there. It was before. It was before. So God cast them out. So that means that there were certain things that Satan foresaw. You see that? That means him saying I will be like God was before the creation of man on earth. But earth was already there. So he says I will be like God. I'll build my throne above the clouds of God. Above the? Clouds. Above the clouds. The Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. See, if, if I were to tell you, this is one of the reasons why God said to us, for 40 days, we must broadcast through the airwaves. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this later on why. Because it had to do with this logic, certain principalities. So, his highest authorities are there. They don't like earth so much. Question. Where is hell? Where is hell? Where is, where is hell? Where is hell? It's here on earth. If you dig long enough, you'll reach hell. Yeah, they, they tell us in the earth there's molten lava and all those things. Hell no, 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 no. That's the fire from hell. That's the fire from hell. No molten lava. You know the Bible talks about, the Bible talks about Gog and Magog. You know that? Gog and Magog. Is Gog and Magog physical locations? But then the Bible says, when, the, when Satan is taken out of the bottomless pit after a thousand years of the rain for the last great battle of Armageddon, the battle of Megiddo, 
he will go to the four corners of the earth to Gog and Magog. What is he going to do there? He's going to get his army. Is his army alive? No. Tell me. You see, this is what, who will be part of Satan's army after the thousand years? Think about it. There will be people who would not have received Jesus by then, right? Right? But for a thousand years, they would see Jesus. They would see you reigning supernaturally in the earth. Do you think that they would not convert? Will there be children being born then? So, is your children going to be part of the army of Satan? Because the Bible says they are as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They are countless in number. So it can't be people that are living within the thousand years. It must be people that are what? That have died before. That are waiting. Remember, hell is not the final place. Hell is a waiting place. Waiting for what? Not just for judgment. Hell is the waiting place for the last war. So when Satan goes there, he will go to bring up that army. That's what's called what? The second resurrection. So God must be fair. If there are two resurrections, there must be two resurrections this side. So God needs to be fair. So he will go and deceive them and they will come up with his army after a thousand years. So these will be zombies. That means Gog and Magog are actually openings into the lower regions of the earth. So there are physical openings. You see, the Bible talks about how God built chambers in the heavens. The word chambers then means stairways. There are physical locations where you can step there and you go to heaven. That's one of the reasons why Jesus said, meet me in Galilee. It was specific because there, the portal into heaven was there. That's why when he lands, he lands on the same mountain. So, you can see that there are physical locations in the earth. And if you study, if you study how these uh, 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 satanic secret society operates, you will notice that every instrumental building they have is built upon ley lines. Yes. Not latitudinal lines, but ley lines. Ley lines are places of high spiritual frequency, high spiritual traffic. And if you can see the great buildings of the world, they are all on, most of them are on the same ley line. Go go look at it, you'll see. Why? Because they are what? They are drawing spiritual energy from there. The pyramids of Giza were not built by men. Those things there that you see there are, are altars. If you study them, their displacement aligns exactly what, what Satan, uh, what do they call them? 
No constellations. And remember what I told you last week about the stars, right? Yes. God tells Job about the plagues. Why would he tell God, Moses, Job about plagues or the belt of Orion? But anyways, it's fine. That was just for, for you. <laughs> but where was the dragon cast down? So this serpent in Genesis 3 is not the same as this creature, creatures. He was already a serpent. Because remember, he turned from being the bright and morning star to being a serpent. So let's go. So now we know who was, say, who was Adam guarding the garden from. He was guarding the garden from. So God had intended to keep that place. That was a zoning, a spiritual zoning for something. That's why if you, if you study scripture, you will find out where is Eden directly. You will know the location of Eden. Because the Bible tells you, he says, the way to know, to know about Eden is to mark, mark where the river runs across. So if, if you do your thing and you mark where rivers runs across, you, you, you'd find out that there's a spot, a little spot called Shilam. In Mesopotamia. That is the very same place where Eden was. And it was the very same place where Satan built what the Tower of Babel. It was in the plains of Shinar, Mesopotamia. Iraq. That's exactly where the Garden of Eden was. Because that's where all the river points connect. Mesopotamia. And if you study Mesopotamia, you would realize that it was Mesopotamia that God promised Abraham. So now, it's not accidental that Iraq is such a wasteland. No, the rebuilding will happen in Iraq. Remember, when the Antichrist comes, this is the nature of the Antichrist. The Bible says he will do all he does by the power of Satan. And he will enter into the sanctuary of God and make himself as God. And oppose everything that is God. So what was Satan's plan in entering Eden? It was to forbid, number one, man. Stop man. That means Satan came immediately after the command was given. I can prove that to you because the Bible tells us that immediately after Jesus received the Holy Ghost, he was plunged into the river. It was an immediate thing. So after God commanded the man, the serpent came. So there wasn't a long period. Why? Because he came in a time before the man ate of the tree of life. So it, it had to have been so quick because Adam didn't get an opportunity to eat from the tree of life.
Follow me, okay? So it was impossible. I said it was impossible for Adam to keep and successfully guard the garden. And it was impossible for Israel to successfully keep the laws. And the reason why is why it is also almost impossible for you today to keep the word of God in your life. This is why we are losing. Because God's word comes and you possess it. You see, to possess and to keep are two different things. You can possess something, but because of failure to keep it, you lose it. And Jesus said, when the word comes, when the word comes, when he was giving the parable of the seed and the sower, he says, when the word comes, he says, because the one to whom the word has come to did not understand what was spoken. He says, Satan comes immediately and what? Snatches the word from their heart. That means Satan has access to your heart. And what gives Satan access to your heart is your what? Is your inability to keep, to protect the word that has come to you. And it does not come after. He comes immediately. So immediately when the word is given, immediately when the word is given, Satan is there. That's why I told you, when God gave Adam the command, Satan was there. Remember, in, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, God says he blessed them. It wasn't a command, it was a blessing. But in chapter 2 of verse 15, God gives the command. And when God gives the command, after a while, immediately we see the serpent. Why? Because every time the word is given, Satan is there. And the only defense against him is if you know how to keep the word that was given you. Because that word is your prosperity. That word is your treasure. So you may remember the word, but you don't know you have lost it. And that's how so many, so many Christians live. They know what was spoken to them. Yeah, the man of God said this, this, but they don't have it anymore. If you check their hearts, that word is not there. Why? It was snatched out. Jesus said, the sign that you have kept the word is an increased presence of God, an increased presence of Jesus in your life. So, if the word comes into your life and the presence of God does not increase, that means you have not kept the word. He that loves me is he that keeps my word. And my father shall love him. And what? And I will manifest myself to him. So, God's word brings what? Manifestation. The keeping of the word brings a manifestation of Jesus. A fanero of Jesus. That means I will make myself bare to him. So that's a sign. A sign that you have kept God's word or the word that Jesus has given you, the command that he has given you. It says one of the things you will realize, you will realize that the revelation of Jesus in your life increases. A man has been a preacher 20 years and all he knows about Jesus is that he's the son of God. He has not grown since the day he heard it. Every time he talks about Jesus, Nkumbula lelalana. Lelalana. Amanda wake. Lelalana. And mom got your booze and lelalana. When I was 19. Go and say, lelalana. 
Why? The word is not kept. It's not guarded. Remember, he says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it is life. The origins of your life are in the heart. So he says, with all vigilance, keep it. Guard it. Protect it from everyone. You know, you are in my heart. You are in my... You already are vulnerable. You are in my heart. You are in my heart. You are in my... That's why, when your heart is broken, your life is finished. You have taken your job, you put it in your heart. I love you with all my heart. <laughs> so you have used your heart for nonsense. So I can't produce. Johanna Daikar. Daikar is in my heart. Daikar. He pet him up. He says, guard your heart. You are doing a poor job at guarding your heart. Because that guy, maybe inside is some devil in that, and you bring that guy in your heart with that devil. <laughs> so, vele, 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 Adam was going to fail. Vele, vele, Adam was going to fail. Absolutely. There was no other way for him. Because God didn't do something for him. Yeah. All God said, he said, guard this thing. Mm-hmm. All God said to, to Israel, keep this thing. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. And remember, to keep it is prosperity. Mm-hmm. But then I said to you, Adam was going to fail. No matter what. He was going to fail. Adam was going to fail. No matter what, he was going to fail. I'll show you why. Can I show you? Can I show you? Can I show you why? And how to protect yourself from failing? How to successfully keep the word in your life? Joshua chapter. Ask yourself, why, why do people... You see, here's one thing about myself. I'm very... I'm very inquisitive. I inquire a lot. Because I don't want to live a lie. You understand? I, I don't want to live a lie. I don't want to pretend. I don't like it. What's the use of pretending? I don't like it. Like you get it all together, but you are a mess. You are a jungle. You should be a garden, but you're a jungle. <laughs> so I don't like that. I don't like that. I love to be accurate. I love to know what I'm doing and why I am doing it. 
Have you ever wondered? Why do people pray so much? But their lives still remain out of alignment. You know, there are preachers, Christians who are faithful. Faithful, faithful. They're praying. They pray. And they know, they know their signature is prayer. No wisdom can solve matters of life. Broke. Just broke. Dead beat broke. But they are there. They are in it. Rapti kiki limti pipipi sulata. I had trouble with that. Trust me, I pray. I pray. I can be talking to you and I pray. I pray. And I was like, no, Lord, no. No, no, no. It's something wrong here. No, 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 no. Can't be doing this thing and then. No, 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 no. And Pulayana. All these years, it's very baguette. But baguette, let me sue. And we put it here. No water anymore. And that's how many of us live. That's how many of us live. When it's time now to drink, <laughs> all those efforts, rap, talk, clap, pen, talk, gone. Adam. Adam. Because if Adam failed, who, who's going to succeed? Forget Jesus. Who's going to succeed? <laughs> this guy saw God. He, he, was, he, he didn't come through a womb, this guy. This guy was breathed into existence. This guy called animals, boom, you are this. He knew a little bit about God. He fell, bro. I'll show you why. Because God kept a secret from him. God kept a secret from Adam, he kept a secret from Israel. He kept it. He kept it. And you, you'd wonder why. Why did God keep this thing from these people? They did not love them. Why did he keep it? Now I had to teach you this thing this way so that you can finally get it. There's more than one way to minister truth. See, sometimes you minister truth this way, you see, no, they don't get it. Then you must, you must take the long route. Sometimes the long route is the one. 
Let's read. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 1 is When? So this thing was concealed from Israel until Moses died. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord, that the, that the Lord spoke to the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread, I will give, or I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Be of good courage, for this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very courageous that you may observe. That's, that's the first thing you see. He says, only be strong and very courageous that you may summon, that you may keep. So God commands Joshua, who is now the leader of Israel, and he gives him specific promises and commands. And then he gives him an instruction that is tied to the observation or the keeping of the law of Moses which God gave already to the children of Israel. But this time God says to him, be strong and very courageous that you may keep. In other words, he would have failed in keeping what was written if he was not strong and if he was not courageous. So if you're going to ask somebody, remember this is the Lord. If I'm going to ask you what was one of the reasons why it was impossible for Adam to keep the garden, he was not strong. Number two, he did not have courage. So strength and courage are essential in keeping, in guarding. If you're going to guard what's given you, 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 you must be able or willing to face unknown enemies. And that needs courage. To face enemies you have never seen before. See, God was telling the man, you're going to see what you have never seen. 
You want to meet some things, some creatures. You want to meet some enemies you have never seen before. But in order for you to keep and guard this world, he says, you must be strong and you must be very courageous. Now, that, 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 that again, that again puts, puts another question in the mix. How do I be strong? How do I, how do I be courageous? Only be strong and courageous that you may observe or that you may keep to do according to all which is written in. Because that was the key. The key was the law. Didn't matter what they did. The key was their successful observation of the law. Their successful keeping of the law. That is what, that is what God intended for it to be their success and their prosperity. So, but God is adding something else here. So, God is telling Joshua what he did not tell to Israel. That means now he is giving him the secrets of keeping, the secrets of observation, the secret of watching, the secret of guarding. Because this is what would determine his success as a leader and as a successor to Moses. So God, God, the Lord, says be strong and be courageous. But the question is, how do I be strong? How do I be courageous? Do I pray? What do I do to be strong and courageous? Where do I get this strength, this courage from? Do not turn it from it from the left. To, uh, I mean, from the right hand to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This is the ancient secret. This is the ancient secret. Say it with me, the ancient secret, which was not revealed to Adam, and it was not revealed to Israel. It was revealed to Joshua. God says, I'm letting you in, boy, into a secret. How you can prosper in this assignment and how you can have success in life. God said to him, this is how you're going to keep all that is written. This is how you're going to be courageous. This is how you're going to be strong. Verse 8. Read. Stop. What? So, Joshua had already the book before him. So, Joshua was a man of the book. Remember, in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, Moses wrote the book again. So, by the time God is talking, that means, that means the voice of God came to Joshua while he was busy with the book. Please, follow. Follow. Moses had died. And here's God saying to this boy, this book. He didn't say the book. He said this book. So God was referring to a specific book. This tells us that the what, what triggered the encounter was the book. <clears throat> what triggered 
the speaking of God was the book. Remember, Joshua was, very, was a very unusual fellow. In the days of Moses, Joshua was the one that was fighting Moses' wars. Joshua. And there's also something strange about Joshua. When Moses went up to the mountain for that 40 days, in fact, two times, that means 80 days. When he went up to the mountain, he left Joshua alone in the middle of the mountain. So he left the priest down there and he went with, with Joshua until they got to a certain point and then he left him. And Moses continued on with his journey. So he was always between God and the people. So he was never really with the people. He was somewhere in between. And the Bible says something about his life, which I believe was the reason why God said to Moses to anoint him in his place. The Bible says Moses would lead the tabernacle. Joshua never left. When Moses left, Joshua remained. When Moses left, oh God, there was... There was, the, there was the tabernacle of Moses, and there were, then there was the tent of meeting. Those are two different things. Tent of meeting was where Moses lived. And the tabernacle and the tent of meeting was outside the camp. Moses would go and meet with God. After he's done, he'd leave. The one who would remain was Joshua. But the Bible never said God said anything to him. He only remained. In the tabernacle. He only remained. So something about that act must have caused the presence of God to be attracted to him. But God never spoke to him. The only time God speaks directly to Joshua is after Moses dies. And Moses, I mean, and Joshua is with the book. God says to him, this book, this of the law shall not depart from your mouth. The word there is pay, mouth, is pay. It says shall not depart from your mouth. God was unveiling a mystery. What was Joshua doing? <laughs> he was reading it. He was he was but his mouth was not so the, the, the book was not in his mouth. So God says, boy, you're doing it wrong. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate. That's why Adam fell. He was not a meditator. And here's what's interesting. In the Bible, before this, there was 
only two times, I mean one time before God says this, that the word meditate was used. But it is not the same word that is used here. This is the first time this word is used here. The one that is used is used in reference to Isaac and Yeshua. Shua, they don't even know what it means. They get as far as saying Shua means to bow. It means to bow. And 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 it's if you if you if you look at the, the key the keywords, it's H it's H double seven four two, H double seven four three. I mean uh, uh, yes, four three and H double seven four four. All those words is one word. The one means to meditate, to muse, uh, but they don't know. It's of uncertain origin. The other one means to bow. The other Shua is in reference to Abraham's uh, son, Shua, who, who was the son of Keturah. And that word means wealth. But none of those words are what God used here. So even though Isaac meditated, it was not the meditation that God was revealing to Joshua. So God said, thou shalt meditate. The first time in the Bible, the first time in the Bible, the word meditate is used. This word, this Hebrew word Hagar, is in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. I said, the first time Hagar is used is in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 and it is used by who? God Almighty God Almighty this is not Moses teaching this is not Moses teaching this is the Lord he said this book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth but you will have God in it you will have God 25 times the word appears in the Old Testament. Because you will have God in it. You will? You will? Why? Read there. You will have God in it? Yeah. That, that you may summon. That you may keep. So there was no way Israel could keep the law unless the revelation of her God was revealed. There was no way Adam could keep the garden. There was no way he could keep the garden successfully if he did not know how to Hagar on the command he was given. So what was to guarantee Adam's success? That means after God spoke to him, that means the word he gave him, was supposed to be where? In his mouth. So every single morning, every single night, Adam should have been... And put me in the garden. And I'm intending to keep his commandments. I'm commanded to tend and to keep the garden. I'm commanded to tend and to keep... He says the process of Hagari, the act of Hagari, he says, will automatically make you keep the word. In other words, you would not need to do anything but meditate. And that process of meditation will lead you into the summaring of God's word. He says, if you want prosperity, 
Don't keep God's word. Meditate on it so that you can keep it. Because if you can't meditate, you can't keep. So I can assure you now, every word of God you've ever received that you did not meditate on, you did not keep. Every word of God that ever came to you that was not meditated on, was not kept. What was the success of David's ministry? He says, your word, have I heed? Have I heed in my heart? Later on, he got the revelation. He says, my tongue is like a pen of a ready writer. He knew the process of imprinting the law. You see, because remember, remember, the, 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 the law could not be observed, could not be kept, because it was tablets that were external. That means it was not connected to the heart. And the covenant that God promises is afterward, I will write my laws within their hearts and put them in their minds. That means that the reason why Israel could not keep the law was because it was outside, not inside. If, 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 if they were going to truly prosper, the world the law should have been inside and not outside and God knew it because their hearts were hearts of stone not hearts of flesh so it, it was unwritable so God says to the man if you want to observe if you want to keep what is written for your prosperity he says Hagar 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 Hagar. You see, Hagar is different from Shua because Shua implies speaking, but Hagar implies speaking with meditation, speaking with vision. That means seeing what you speak. That, that, that's why, that's why, that's how Joshua could stop the sun. It was meditation that helped him stop the sun. It was meditation that called for the hails. The Bible says that angels threw hails, threw hails, hailstone, largest bricks. They hailed them on the nations. What warranted that assistance is Hagar. That means that God meditates. God Hagas. The book is not meant to be kept without hagaring it. So he says, if you want to prosper, he says hagar. So when Jesus said, he that loves me is he that keeps my word. He was invertly telling us, meditation. Meditate. Meditate. Hagar. Hagar is not to read the Bible. Hagar is not to read the word. Hagar is to matter it. It's to speak it. It's to muse with it. It's to chew on it. Now you understand why I say it was impossible. Adam, was, Adam did not meditate. Adam did not hagar. Remember, this is not Old Testament teaching. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that God kept and decided to reveal it to Joshua. 
Even the very act of Shua, the meditation that Isaac did. He says, while he meditated, he saw his wife. He says, he went to meditate in the, in the field in the night. And there he saw his wife. In other words, to come close or to get closer to the promises, he says, meditation. Hagar. 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 He says, if you want to be a man of prosperity, Hagar. I'll show you why I say the road into prosperity. Yes. Because it, 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 God was saying to, to, to the man, if, if you're going to make, you're, have to, you're going to have to create your own path, not Moses. Mm. And you are showing you how to create his path. Mm. Let's read. He says, that you, you may summar to keep, observe, right, God to do, yes, according to all that is written in it. For then, you will, you, you see, that word, for then, you will make, is, it does not exist in the Hebrew. That word is one word. There's no, for then, you will make is one word. He says, read it, read it, and then, then I'll show you. You see, that word is not for then you will make. No, it's only one word, is way. That word is way. There's no for then you will make. No, God didn't say that. God said to him, for then. Uh, he said to him, Derek Salah. That's what God said to him. Derek Salah. That's what God said. He said, when you have Hagad, he said, Derek Salah. I'll, I'll show you, I'll tell you what it means now. He said, Derek Salah. So remember, when God was speaking to this guy, he was speaking Hebrew. He was not speaking English. Listen, English is a very, very bad language. English is a very, very bad language. When it comes to spiritual communication, English is very terrible. English, English can make you miss God. It's a very bad language. Its aim is to make it easier to communicate. But easier to communicate does not mean right communication. So then you read this. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Still, there's no then you will have good success. It's direct salah, sakar or sakar. Right? It's three words. God is saying, for then you will make it. Derek, Salah, Sakar. Three words. And that one does not mean success. Sakar. Sakar means understanding. It means sagacity. It means to be wise. So, the, the meditation that God gave Joshua was going to 
make Derek. Derek. Derek means a road. It means to carve a path. So God said, Derek Salasaka. That means you, 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 you will create a path into, not for, into prosperity. And you will create a path into wisdom and understanding. So God effectively was telling this young man, Create your own prosperity. Make it. And, and that word prosperity is an interesting word, salah, because it, it doesn't just only mean to prosper, it means to, 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 to be over, to burst into something. So it's like a bursting forth into a dimension. And he says, Hagar, is what will bring you into it. Is Hagar. Is Hagar. Is Hagar. God never said to Joshua, if you're going to be successful, pray. He said, Hagar. This, was, this man was going to lead a nation of over 4 million people. And God tells him, Hagar is the way. Indirectly, he was telling him, that's why your forefathers failed. That's why Adam failed. So God wanted the man to succeed. So he gave him the mystic. He said, Hagar, take the word. And he says, let it not depart from your mouth. In other words, every waking moment, he, if I shall heed the voice of the Lord, I go to That's how he strategized. Have you wondered why every time Joshua met with an angel, he didn't say to him, I have given you. He'd tell him, see. See, I have given you Jericho. The word they kazar, it means... To, to look as, you, as though you were a prophet. To look with the eyes of a prophet. Says, Kazar, see, I have given you Jericho. But Jericho, Jericho's wall was still there. But he said, see, I have given you Jericho. What was he telling him? Employ Hagar. Because Hagar is to speak with imagination. So the prosperity was created in the speaking. Speaking what? The Lord. So when God says, I, I, I'm making you, or I've made you a millionaire, you say, I've been made a millionaire. I've been made a millionaire. I've been made a millionaire. I've been made. You know nothing about building millions. But God said, I've made you. So it's not your responsibility, it's, it's His responsibility. What is your responsibility? The word shall not depart from your mouth. Amen. 
as you say it, you know something will happen. You know, you know what will begin to happen? Your dianoia will be activated. You know what's dianoia? The procreative center of your, of your mind. That's dianoia. That's where things are created. That's in the Hebrew it's called yetzah. Yetzah. And when the Lord God saw that every intention, every yetzah of their heart was continually evil, he sought to destroy them. So God destroyed them, not because of what they did, but because of what they were producing with their imagination. So imagination, imagination is what triggered judgment. (laughs) If you read in Romans, the Bible talks about they were inventors of wicked things. Oh my God. That's yetzah. Yetzal. He says, I am wisdom. I dwell with knowledge. For what? For the purpose of witty inventions. You see, God's word does not say come. No. The Bible says wisdom cries aloud at the gate. And he calls to the simple ones. The foolish. He said, oh simple ones. That means when you come to wisdom, you don't need to know anything. You don't need to be intelligent. He says, no. Receive my prayer. So that's why even the least, even the least in the camp can rise, can rise to be as strong as the strongest nation. Why? Because the secret is in Hagari. As long as you have a mouth. Pay. You are telling him that your weapon is your pay. Is your pay. Is my word and your pay. The mouth. The mouth. The mouth. The mouth. That's why the highest objective of prayer is to help you release the sword. What is the sword? The rim of God. So he said, Hagar, day and night. Day, he says, day and night. Day and night. You are dead, you are in that world. Day and night. You are hagaring over it. He says, sooner, sooner or later, you, 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 will, you, will, you will wonder, you will see us. Ah, let me read it to you. Ezekiel. Ezekiel. He says, Hagarim will cause you. It will cause you. That means you, you are doing it, but it's involuntary. You're not thinking about it. Your hand is moving. Your hand is building, but it's not you. Ezekiel. Ezekiel. I've run out of time. We'll continue this tomorrow. Okay. Verse 26. Chapter 36, verse 26. Don't worry, I'll preach on this again tomorrow. But it will be very different again. There's more than one side to one mountain. So you, you need to climb the mountain from different sides. Verse, verse 26, we there? Amen. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. 
I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit. 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 Adam did not have the spirit. Israel did not have the spirit. That's why they could not walk in the statutes. Because it is the spirit that causes us. I'll, I'll show you. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you and cause you and make and make you so once you have the spirit he says you will be made to do certain things he says I will cause you I will I will cause you to walk in my statue in other words you won't need to do anything extra says the spirit will cause you you know you see this manifestation, operation of the Spirit of God many times in, in prayer. You see it many times in prayer. When you're, I don't know if maybe or maybe. There are times when you pray. When, when you know, you are conscious, conscious that this is beyond you. Let me give you an example. Uh, what day was it? I can't remember which day was it. I was teaching and I was teaching and I was teaching. And then I stopped. I said, no, there's somebody with an ear thing, right? And I said what I said and we minister. Do you know that, that did, I didn't make that come out of my mouth? I, I didn't say, I said it, but I didn't say it. It came out. It just came out. But I didn't say it. It's because when you minister like that, what happens many times with me is that the spirit takes over my faculty. And then without you, like you speak in tongues, without you even thinking, you say it. Many, many times, I can, many instances. When was, on Friday. On Friday, I meant to say, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Right? I said, let's go to 2 Kings. I didn't mean to say 2 Kings. But you won't see it because I don't make it. You see, there are things the Spirit makes you do. Ezekiel said, and the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet. He didn't ask, you are set. He said, he entered and set me on my feet. You see, when the, when, when the body of Christ learns to be, to be that yielded to the Spirit, we will experience transportations. We will literally, we will, we will experience transportations. I remember 
Once we were in a car, we we we'd come from from a place we were ministering. And we were going to do a minister as a church, and then we left with the pastor's car. We were in the car. So when we got into the car, we started praying. So naturally, when we went, it took us about 45 minutes to get from church to where we were going. Right? When we finished the meeting, we went into the car. From that time, right, we got into the car to the time we reached uh, the church destination. It was literally 10 minutes. We waited one hour for the people to come. When we called, said, we, we are here, where are you guys? They were like, what do you mean? We just left. We were transported. And we felt, you see, thing is, we because when we entered the car, we started praying and praying, started speaking in tongues. And then there was some just energy. There was an energy, a force. Ten minutes later, we were there, we were in church. Literally, I lied out, God is my witness. Ten minutes later, we were at the gates of the church. We waited an hour for the people to come. But we all left the same time. The kumbi that came behind us, they asked us, where did you go because we were following you? <laughs> we realized we were transported. In, in my own life, I don't want to talk about my own life. I don't want to talk about my own life. But maybe I should tell you. In my own life, I've experienced transportations in the spirit many times. And once, physically. I'll tell you one day about it. One day I'll tell you about it. One day. God, God, <laughs> it's because there's a yieldedness that meditation brings you into. You know, when God, when God did, when we did this with the spirit, okay, let me tell you of the day I levitated. Let me tell you of the day I, I levitated. You know levitated? Yeah. I levitated on my knees, bodily. I was in deep prayer that day. And then, what was happening that I was, I kept feeling something pull me back. Pull me back. I was wondering, what's this pull, pull back? You know, what's this thing pulling me back? So I'm on my knees, I'm praying. Praying. I'm being pulled back. Right? And then, I, I, I ignored it. Because it was disturbing me. But I felt that, no, there was something. So I continued praying, I continued praying, I continued praying, I continued. And then I opened my eyes after a while. I was, I was kneeling, but I was in the air. It wasn't a vision. My eyes opened. I touched my knees. After that period, God showed me how to get into that dimension. How to get into that dimension? There were. I remember. I remember. I, I was. We were, we were chilling casually with some friends, right? With some people, 
And then we were sitting and I just said, let me teach the word. So I just started teaching some revelation. She started teaching some revelation. I said, Lord, let, let's stop. Let's do this. Right? And then I, 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 there were three. We were four. So I, I said, no, just, just stand like this. Right? Stand here, stand here, stand here. And then I let my shadow pass through them. Oh, I just said, stand. And let my shadow pass. I passed through with my shadow. One of them. You know, like when a... Uh, when uh, one of them fell like this, but instead of touching the ground, they vibrated in the air like this. They were like this, they vibrated in the air like this. Probably maybe 15 to 20 seconds. Vibrating in the air. They were levitating. What brought there was something. It was something. God showed me how to bring that reality into manifestation. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's baptism with the word. You see, if, if I can get you to a point where I can baptize you in the word, Literally, your, your body, spirit will be caught away. Because it, you see, what transportation is, is the speed at which your spirit moves from one place to another. But sometimes what happens many times is that because your body does not have, your spirit does not have time to separate from your body, it takes your body along. And he says, I will cause you. These, these are not things you do. They are done to you. The, the Bible says, and the spirit cut away fear. They are done to you. Through what? Through yieldedness. There's a, there's a dimension of yieldedness you get into. And you can't get in of, of your own volition and say, no, now I'm yielded, Lord. Now, Lord. Now, Lord. Now, Lord. I'm yielded now. No, 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 no. No. You are God. Learn it. Lie on your bed. On your couch. On your favorite spot. Either take the Bible or take the promises God has given you. Take the promises God has given you and Hagar on them. And Hagar, just Hagar. Just Hagar. Just Hagar. Just Hagar. And that means you, you, you speak it out. You don't need to be heard. But there's a point. You see, the, an, another word for Hagar means to roar. It means to? So how are you going to keep the command? It says you'll be caused to do it. You'll be made to do it as you Hagar. So the spirit will be the one that is orchestrating those events. So God never said Joshua must stop the sun, right? So here are they, they are fighting. They are fighting. They are fighting. But the sun is going down. It's becoming late. And they can see it. God never says to the man, stop the sun. How did he know that the sun can be stopped? All of a sudden, can we read that account? Let's read that account. Joshua chapter 10. And then let's pray.
Hallelujah. So verse 7, let's read from verse 7. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them. <laughs> for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them. You see that? He routed them. He discomfited them. He destroyed them before Israel. Killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. Chased them along the roads that goes to Beth Horon. And struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel. And were on the descent of Beth Horon. That the Lord cast large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah. And they died. There were more who died from hailstone than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. You see, there are, there are things that the judgment on other nations or on other people or on things can give you access into. You see, it was, it was known that it was the day of judgment for the Amorites. So here's Joshua speaking to the Lord, right? And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon. Moon in the valley of Ahijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jesha? See that? Three double. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. So for 24 hours, the sun was in one location. 24 hours. 12 to 24 hours, the sun stood. Because a man said, son, stand still. That means people in other nations were waiting for the sun to go down. The sun never came down. They wonder. If you study history, many tribes and many nations attest to a day where the day was longer than other days. Son. Stand still. And the sun stood still. Then listen to verse 14. And there has been no day like that before it or after it. The Bible said, never said there will never be. It just said there has not been. Not will never be. There's been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. So after Joshua, there's never really been a day like that where God heeded the voice of a man. When man spoke to some or part of the creation of God and it obeyed, God says, yeah, I'm listening to you. Who was Joshua? Joshua, you see, if we were to term a coin a name for him, we would say Joshua the Hagara or Joshua the Meditator. 
So something happened to his voice. Through the process of Hagari. Day and night. Salah, salak. Salah, salak. So the road into prosperity is what? Hagar. Is Hagar. You see, the things of God, the deep things of God are very simple. Are very, very, very simple. You see, God is, God is, God is not complicated. The Lord is not complicated. Is, is your mind that's complicated, not the Lord. Because you would think that what would give Joshua so much stature before God is that this man, this man, this man was, was in prayer. La Panta, day, day in, day out. 24 hours a day. He was a prayer warrior. Right? And that's what Christianity you know, tells us. That if you want to get into these dimensions of Joshua, dimensions of the Father, if you want to handle power, my God, if you want your power to be like the rod of Moses, get into prayer. Human opinion. What was the opinion of God? Hagar. What? If prayer was a secret, he would have said, Haga and pray, boy. You need to pray. You need to, you, 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 you need to pray. There are very weak, prayerful people. Someone asked me, why, why did Elisha fall sick? The Bible says he became sick by which he died. Elisha. The one, the one that said to have received a double portion yeah. of Elijah's spirit. Mm. Now, now, like what they say, if double portion refers to two times the spirit, that means that guy shouldn't have died, correct? Because the one from whom he inherited his spirit did not die. So double portion is not double the spirit. It has nothing to do with double the spirit. Remember the doctrine of the double portion. God said, when a man has six sacks, he must apportion his inheritance into seven parts. And he must give each of the six sons a portion, a portion, a portion, a portion, a portion. But on the firstborn, he must give what? A double portion. Right? Because he is the firstborn. He is the heir. So when Elisha was saying a double portion of the spirit, he was talking about inheriting what? The office. The office. A double portion. He was talking about an inheritance. That's why Elijah said to him, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, Elijah couldn't give it to him. He couldn't. So you hear men of God say, I'm giving you a double portion of my spirit. Hell, man, what? 
He couldn't. How? Elijah said, listen to what Elijah said. Elijah said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, when you see me, when I go, it is yours. Because when he sees him, that means that, that the mantle has fallen on him. Because, because the sign of a prophet is what? His ability to so he wasn't the only one. There were others. But he saw. They never saw Elijah leave. But he saw the horseman. That means it had fallen on him. That means he had inherited the office. So it's not about two times the spirit. So he died because of what? Old age. No. He died because of what? He did not hug her. And you can't say there was no power. No. The Bible says his bones resurrected a dead man. But his sickness killed him. So there was already power in his bones. So why? All he did was prophesy. He did not hug her. See, because what Hagar does is that it takes what's in your heart, places it in your mind, and materializes it. So you wonder why you are wise. You know, have you ever been... If, I don't know. But in, in this, you, you, you get to a point where you, you ask, why am I like... Like, these are things I don't know, but I know. Hagar. This is the mystery of prosperity. Hagar. Hallelujah. Hagar. Look at Adam. Your first father. He fell. He couldn't keep the garden. You know why. He could not Hagar. You see, I promise you, if, if, if Adam had Hagar meditated on that command, he would have blasted the serpent out. He would have blasted him out. He would have blasted him out. Because that word would have given him courage. He would have known, I'm, I'm the one in charge here. I'm the authorized one here. I don't need to talk to you. You, you shouldn't even be here. Move up. That's why some of you can chill with the devil. You know, you know, you know some of you, you can chill with the devil. You, in fact, I, is no longer even a tenant in your life. You you are sharing communion space. You are sharing. You're not even surprised. Hi, Kiela. He's welcomed. You blame Eve. Yeah, Eve. Why is that so? When why? You don't have that. She didn't waste time. If you are the son of God, it is written. If you are the son of God, it is written. No, all these kids, it is written. Get thee behind. It was in him. So you can pull out what's not in you. Hagar. Let's all stand.
Did Israel know that the law was their prosperity? Did they know? No, they didn't know. God told them. He says, this is how you will prosper. Did they prosper as God intended for them? But did they know that the law was their prosperity? Did they know? Did they know? God told them. He says, you will be blessed above all the nations of the earth. You know, I read that one day. I'm like, God, that's too much to say. It's too deep. No, no, no. I argued with it. No. Above all the nations, I mean, above Russia, United States, China, but that's what God meant. Above all the nations, you will be blessed. So they knew what was in it for them, but they didn't do it. If you were living in that time, I'm sure you think you would be one of Joshua and Caleb. You, 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 you convince yourself that I'll be like Joshua and Caleb. Maradipone, no. Dipone, no. Dipone, no. Look at yourself. Are you like Joshua and Caleb? Yeah? Caleb said, These are bread for us. Let us go and take that mountain. You're like, Dear Lord Jesus, you know, hey, you know, I got issues in life. Lord, God have mercy on my life. Oh, no, no. We have become sophisticated in creating validations and justifications for why we've remained where we are even after we have received the word of the Lord. No, I'm, I'm like this because I'm, 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 no, 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 no. Listen, you see, in the arena, in the arena of the prophetic, it's not, there's no way you can give excuses. If, if you say, thus says the Lord, this shall happen, and the time for which it was meant to happen comes and goes, and it did not happen. You can't say, eh, no, it is because, it is because, it, no, it, 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 no, you are a fake prophet. You are a false prophet. He says, do not regard the prophet who says, and uh, 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 assumes to speak in my name and say thus and this and does not. He says, don't even, hey, stone him. Stone him. So in your life, you, you should be stoned. <laughs> you should be stoned. You see that? You should be stoned. You see, you see, you should be stoned. You're like Israel. A people with, with promises as numerable as the sand on the seashore. But they live like beggars. But they live like beggars. Why? There's no Hagar. See, if, if, you see, in your life, you can have it all. You can have the visions, you can have the prophecies, you can have the anointing, you can have the move, you can have whatever. But if you don't have Hagar, everything will come crumbling down. Everything will come crumbling down. Remember, it is not an Old Testament teaching. It is a mystery from the heavens. The Lord said to Joshua, the Lord, the, the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, 
meditate. You see, if it was Moses, we could, you know, but the Lord said, and this is the first time anybody has come up with this in the Bible. The Lord saying it. Boy, meditate. Meditate. You know the word there in the Bible for seek? Seek the kingdom. You know what it means? Yeah? You don't know. Go find out. You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. That really the way into the kingdom is through the soul. The way into the kingdom is through the soul. What did Jesus say? The kingdom is not without. Is within. And he said, seek first. The word there has to do with the soul. Seek. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first. You see, we, we, we have things upside down. We want to use our hands, then our minds, then our spirits. And Jesus says, no, it don't work that way. The, the, the hand part is, is, is after the fact. So when, when the word comes, he says, meditate. Hagar. This is the secret to some of our lives. This is how we move from one dimension into another. When, when we want to change and upgrade, we know what to do. When we want to shed skin, we know what to do. You, you think those four meditation books just came out of nowhere. Yeah? You, you saw that thick one. You think it came out of nowhere. That it's just a book. No, those are files. Those are files. One day God said to me, you can come up here anytime you want. The way, you know, Jesus said the way you know. I know the way. Yeah, when, you know, when life bores you, the earth bores you, and we, we know how to just take an elevator, a light shaft into the heavens. You know what the secret is? Hagar. See, when you are Hagari like this, you are functioning like God. He is the word. The Bible says they heard the voice of the Lord. How did they hear the voice? That means the voice must have been talking. If, 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 if you're in a certain place, right? And you know my voice, right? And, 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 and you can tell, you can tell if I'm speaking, you can tell the proximity, Right? Where, whether I'm here or I'm here or I'm here, right? By the sound of my voice. You can tell, oh, 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 that guy is coming. They heard the voice walking. What was the voice doing? Talking. The voice was talking. The voice was talking. The voice was talking. What was it talking? Only God knows. But the voice was talking. 
Jesus was the voice, was the word made flesh. What did he do more than anything? He talked. You know, Jesus talked more than he prayed. You know that? He talked more than he prayed. You never hear the Bible says, and Jesus prayed for people. <laughs> he doesn't pray. No, he heals. He prospers. He doesn't pray for people. He... <laughs> when he sent them, he said, Lord, heal the sick. He doesn't pray for the sick. He healed them. Do, poeo, do. He says that you may do. So you want to do? Meditate. So if you can see that in this area you are weak. You know, you can't seem to be doing God's word here. Collect everything that has to do with that area. And start putting it in your mouth. You'll wonder after some time, you do that area perfectly without even thinking. That's how you build strength. A stature in the spirit. But it sounds simple. Must I just say the people? What should console you is that the Lord said it. You see, uh, the Lord said it. The Lord says, I once read a statement that changed my life forever. Kenneth Hagin said, The deepest men and women I know are those who have spent hours and hours in meditation. It changed my life. He said, you know how he learned about meditation? He used to have, he, he used to have revivals, right? And in revivals, normally back then, what they would do is that they would have a morning service and they would have an evening service. So before the morning service, he'd be laptopaya, hollering, pray. Right? And then he'd go have the morning service. And then when he comes back, he comes back to prepare for the morning uh, evening service. And when he comes back, what does he do? He prays and prays and fasts. No harm. So one day, he says, Jesus enters the room while he's preparing for. Then Jesus said to him, the first thing he says, he says, I'd rather have you living a fasted life than you fasting every now and then. Then you keep your body under control. Then Jesus said, instead, <laughs> You know, this thing, this thing may change my life forever. It changed it. Trust me, it changed it. Jesus said to the man, instead of you tiring yourself, praying for so long, Jesus, he says, instead of you tiring yourself by praying all this time, he says, lie on your bed and meditate. Jesus said to a man, instead of you tiring, yourself pray Jesus instead of you tiring yourself so much by praying he says lie on your bed and meditate he said it was the first time he heard about something called meditation and it was when Jesus taught him and when Jesus taught him he says stop tiring yourself he says lie on your bed and meditate and then he said I went further and had one of the greatest times in the presence, in the power of God, meditating than I ever did praying. He said, that was my success. 
you don't need to know a lot of things you don't need to understand a lot of things understanding comes once you're engaged in the process hallelujah if you want to keep the word that God has given you if you want to do it if you want to do it and if you if you want salah and salak you're going to have to have God you know Muhammad Salah you know him Mohammed Salah, the Liverpool player. His name is Salah. His name is Prosper. And he prospers. He's not accidental. Listen, you answer the name, you leave the name you answer. I was telling some, some, someone last, I said, you can't have six names and think it's a status. You are living six destinies. Yeah, now my, my name is Bridget Constantia. You know, my names are, you know, they piggyback from different family members. You're, you, already your life is a confusion. Because uh, 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 Constantia, uh, Gloria, uh, Stupidi. So how about Stupidi, eh? How about it? Gloria, eh? So you're glory and stupid. So you're, you're mixed bag. Answer one name. The next throw out. Yes. You see, destiny is about identification. You leave the destiny you are identified with. And what gives you that identification is the name. So if you have five names, begin to scratch out. Because some of those names, Khunwa is living through you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Choose one, stick to it, live your destiny. Amen. So Ruby said this or this or that. Amen. But you you get it? You get it? You get it? He says you can make your own and create your own path. The world, this world is light to you. Forget this world. This world, forget it. Full of lies, deceit. Bible says Satan has deceived the whole world. They are deceived. They, are, they create rocket ships. They make it... <laughs> be stupid in life. Follow the word. Praise the Lord. Follow the Follow the word. Because some things don't make sense. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. So you're going to you're going to do what? You're going to hagar. Going to hagar on the word, written word of God. You're going to hagar on the spoken word of God. Just do it. 
Amen. Remember Friday's message? Yes. Do it. Whatever he says, do it. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. You don't you where this will lead, you can only be one place. Glory. Praise God. So there's still some things I want to say on this subject. I'll say tomorrow. Alright? But I just wanted to give you something. Praise the Lord. I hope I gave you something. Amen. Yeah, what? Yeah, maybe maybe part one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know how this message came? You know how this message came? I was going I was going into my study. As I went into my study, the download came. And then I knew. Just like that. I told you, God does not need time to impart wisdom. This, this message is a result of just five seconds of attentiveness. Just five seconds. It didn't take time. I went to bed. And the message came. How many hours have you been in this thing? Three hours. Yeah. It's about five seconds. Haga. Ha. That's what you need. Haga. You see, there are things God puts inside you, you don't know. You know, there are impartations that take place and you don't know. And sometimes, and you not knowing, you live a life as though you don't have those things. But they are there. Until years later, I'm having the encounter of my life. <laughs> God, God, I came to you. You were asleep. <laughs> Hagar. Hagar will increase your conscious. And we'll talk about this tomorrow. Slip up ahead and just thank the Lord for a few minutes. says when he says light is sweet and prosperity is to behold the sun the bright and morning star it's beholding Jesus and we know that we behold